Now for Raising the Bar, Greater RVA's premier law talk radio show. Call into the show with your stories and questions at 804-454-1366. 804-454-1366. Good morning and welcome to Raising the Bar, Law Talk Radio Show. This is attorney Colleen Quinn, your program host, and I'm an attorney with Locke and Quinn. And we are really thrilled today to talk about modern day feuds, cyberbullying, revenge porn, and when are cyber posts mightier than the sword? Um, unlike the Hatfields and McCoys of yesterday or yesteryear, or decades ago actually, uh, modern day feuding has taken on a whole new tactic. And so today's show is going to be pretty interesting. And if you would like to call into the show with any of your questions or comments about modern day feuding, including cyber feuds and Snapchat and Instagram and (laughs) Facebook uh, feuding, call in at 804-454-1366. And just briefly remember that Raising the Bar Law Talk Radio Um, The videos are recorded on the Lock and Quinn Facebook Live page, and also now you can subscribe on iTunes to all of the podcasts. You simply go to Raising the Bar Law Talk on iTunes, and please subscribe to our podcast because they feature a lot of different areas of the law. Of course, the law impacts everyone in one way or another, whether it's employment law or criminal law, if you get a traffic ticket, or if you're unfortunate enough to have to go through a divorce, um, if you have a workers' comp claim, and I could go on and on, but we need to get on to today's topic. <laughs> so remember that Lock and Quinn is conveniently located at Willow Lawn, um, and you can come get a plethora of dining options along with your personal legal services. We provide a variety of legal services, including personal injury, med mal, family law, adoption, surrogacy, estate planning, employment law. And if we can't do it, we'll make sure we put you in the good hands of somebody that can. Finally, the law is not something everyone can afford. And if you go to the Raising the Bar Law Talk radio webpage, we have listed there all of the low cost and pro bono free legal services that are available for veterans, folks with disabilities. A variety of services are out there because lawyers can be expensive, can't they, Katie? Yes, yes, we can. <laughs> All right. And joining me today is um, attorney Katie Kitts Dean. Um, and we're going to yin and yang about modern day feuding. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Anyone that has either seen or heard of the Broadway show or knows the story of Alexander Hamilton knows that uh, modern, uh, 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 a very old type of feud was between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. And of course, they used pistols at that time. Well, now in modern day feuds, um, they aren't quite as deadly, right. um, but they uh, words and images can do a lot of harm. And they can actually be deadly to the point of somebody actually committing suicide, mm-hmm. um, which we, we know about. And of course, uh, where is the law in all of this? And we're going to discuss why the law is so unfortunately way behind today's mm-hmm. modern day feuding. Absolutely. All right. So Colleen, let's start with some background. Um, what are some of the different ways that you see people using the internet and other forms of modern technology to engage in feuds or disagreements? Well, and Katie at Locke and Quinn, we have had to do quite a number of cease and desist letters (laughs) and then also uh, research on 
the applicable areas of the law because we are seeing folks that are feuding on Facebook Mm -hmm. and um, even sneaking in onto LinkedIn with some feuding. Um, And of course, uh, Snapchat and Instagram and of course, you're younger than I am, but I believe that it is Snapchat where the, the photo is only there for 30 days. Yep, okay, right. so that makes it a little bit harder to to prove what was posted. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, we're going to talk about revenge porn mm-hmm. and especially a, a Virginia case on point on the revenge porn and um, the, rev- the review sites. So when folks are reviewing on Yelp, et cetera, and even the lawyers are getting hit because mm-hmm. the Avo reviews and other reviews, Martindale Hubble, you you know if and I actually I had a review by somebody that I I never met that with never coming to, yeah, yeah. to the office and 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 so I had a fight with Avo to to, to delete that bad mm-hmm. review because there was no record of of from the detailed facts I, I, that person obviously had the the wrong attorney right. Um, <laughs> And um, then we have the the Twitter feuds going on. We even have our own president, Donald Trump, who is Twitter feuding with Kim Jong-un. And um, then uh, you know a little bit more about the Kim Kardashian-Taylor Swift feud. Oh, yeah. You get celebrities all the time in there. Um, I think that one involved... Uh, Taylor Swift leaving some sort of voicemail for Kanye West and then claiming she never talked to him and his wife, Kim Kardashian, saved the voicemail and posted it on Twitter. And it just became this very public, all written down, all recorded, everything that was said is recorded. Um, and it just became this public feud between them, all thanks to the internet right. <laughs> and technology. Right. And I, I guess, and the really good thing though, is that it's all being recorded, mm-hmm. right? So that if somebody has a case, at least we, the evidence is there right. for the most part. Um, the really bad thing, though, is that it's recorded and then disseminated and, and and can potentially go viral and be shared with others, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and then there's the Wendy's and McDonald's. Yes. I think anyone who watched the Super Bowl on Sunday maybe caught that uh, Wendy's commercial where they were uh, just pulling language from the McDonald's website about uh, the ingredients that they used in their food and that they used frozen beef. And for anyone who's a little bit more familiar with their the Wendy's Twitter feed, they uh, are pretty pointedly uh, targeting McDonald's regularly. Um, and the the two companies kind of have their own. That one's a little bit funnier. It's not maybe quite as malicious. It's, it's not more as of a marketing. It's yeah. like revenge porn, but it's, <laughs> right. it's a little more comical. But still, it's a modern day feud yeah. that's, that's going on, um, which was just as entertaining. At least the Super Bowl was, was, a, right. was a good game this year. So you couldn't get up from your seat between the commercials and the game. <laughs> so... Sort of continuing on this topic, how has the internet changed the way that people are able to fight? Well, it pretty much allows anyone with a phone and a Wi-Fi connection access to potentially the entire public. Mm-hmm. You know, so before, if you had a feud, um, you you know you might dump trash in the neighbor's backyard. I actually had a case where that was occurring. It was a case between two neighbors. Um, in fact, it was featured on Channel Twelve. But this this was like back in the eighties. But it was. Kind of, uh, it was, um, I call it the, the Dolan case where the, the neighbor actually put a surveillance camera up on the back master bedroom window um, of the Dolan family. And then that same neighbor also allegedly was dumping trash and other debris into their backyard and then was heckling and cackling at their kids whenever they were in the yard. Um, told them that he had put up his camera and the camera was focused on them and he was watching them, et cetera. So that was a more of a private feud, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that was back in the 80s, early 90s, that, that would be the type of feud you might see 
where nobody else really knew about it, um, mm-hmm. except we took that one to Channel 12, and then the, the camera came down pretty quickly, and, we were, <laughs> and the other neighbor moved out of the neighborhood, and it got resolved yeah. well, relatively quickly. That's what you had to do. You had to call the news back then and actually get that you get, know, help to get the public, you know, aware of it. Right. And get it out there. Mm-hmm. And then, then that resolved that. But now you don't have to call the paper. You can just basically do a Facebook post. And if you want to boost the Facebook post, now you're, you've gone beyond mm-hmm. your immediate group of friends and you can really blast it out to more of the public. Um, the other thing is that, you know, we say that a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, now not only is there ability to post something in, in various words, but there's the ability to post photos mm-hmm. and the ability to doctor up the photos yep. um, and and uh, basically suggest that somebody is in a photo um, in a compromising position or something mm-hmm. when that's not really the actual photo. So we've got um, that issue. We also have the um, issue of messages going viral and spreading much faster. And so something that would have been contained in a tiny small circle um, or within a small group, now has this potential to publicly humiliate someone when they might do something that you you disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything gets put into to writing. And so it's it's there unless unless the person can go through, and I've had clients go through the hoops of asking Facebook to remove posts, et cetera, but that, that's pretty laborious and it takes it a is. lot of work to get um, a social media company to permanently remove a, a post and make sure that it's not in some saved in some metadata or some you know right. archived somewhere and and definitively uh, deleted or and if somebody's taken a screen capture of it before that happens. There's no getting that back from, from absolutely, them. absolutely. And the internet is it's it's forever unless mm-hmm. you know. And then if somebody takes a screenshot and then puts it back out there, mm-hmm. it doesn't go away. And so um, it's much harder to quash these modern day feuds that yeah. have gotten out there. Um, and then uh, you're you're aware of the the GoFundMe issue that yeah. came into our office. Yeah, we had um, a case that, um, and from what we understand of of this issue, um, you know, the, it's, these two families were, you know, having a dispute over over kids. You know, sort of a custody adoption issue, um, and the one um, one individual had apparently created a GoFundMe page, which is, you know, normally used to uh, sort of crowdfund. Um, usually it's charitable things. Sometimes right. it's interesting projects, but it's basically a way for people to say, hey, public, um, I have this thing that I think, you know, is worthy of your money and support. You know, please donate a little bit. Um, but in this instance, he was asking his community to donate towards his legal fees and then had a litany of false statements about the other party in this case, calling them, um, you know, a child molester. And I mean, just insinuating all of this terrible, terrible stuff and saying, you need to fund my legal fees because I'm having to do battle with this person and all written down on the GoFundMe page. Um, And, you know, that's where you kind of get into some of these, okay, now does that person have a cause of action because of what was written down on the internet and what's not going to go away? And it's kind of prolongs these grudges too, I think, when everything's in writing like that. Well, in in that case, they don't identify the folks they're planning to litigate Mm -hmm. against, um, but anybody close to them that might know the inside story Mm -hmm. of what's going on in a domestic, you know, family law battle can kind of figure out, Mm -hmm. uh, well, who who are they talking about? Who are they targeting? Um, And so... Now we're looking at, okay, is there potential defamation? Mm-hmm. Is, is there not defamation? 
and um, you know, it, and and it's basically when that information, when that, when those statements, child molester. I mean, that's pretty strong right. stuff going out there, um, and and then that's something that potentially you can try to get Facebook to, or you can try to you know get the mm-hmm. social media or whatever to try to take down, but. It's so vague. Who are they talking about? You know, mm-hmm. only the inner circle kind of really knows who's being discussed right. in that in that sort of setting. So um, most GoFundMe pages we know are used for good purposes, mm-hmm. but they can certainly be used for other purposes with defamatory remarks thrown in there. Yeah. So, so yeah, that that kind of brings up. Um, Another point, is this always, you know, this use of the internet, is this always negative when people are uh, maybe exposing something or getting into a disagreement with with somebody? Well, I, I think if you look at certain things, I think the Me Too movement mm-hmm. is has been really good. I mean, it is it has had folks come out, tell their stories. Um, we've got the, you know, the gymnast with Dr. Anasser. We've mm-hmm. got... Um, the Hannibal Buress comedy routine going viral about the sexual assault allegations against Bill Cosby, which mm-hmm. basically ended his career. We're seeing folks resign. I was, we were, my husband and I have been watching House of Cards, you know, it's yeah. our latest series. And, you know, you've got um, uh, Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. resigning over allegations in that case. And so um, we are seeing this this movement, which actually has been very, you know, well, from a, a woman's right advocate and from some, from yeah. since we do sexual harassment and cases in our office and everything, it seems to be a very positive thing to the extent the allegations can be substantiated right. and, and, you know, they're not being made up, mm-hmm. um, which is another whole entirely different issue. But when you have a number of women coming forward with the same stories or similar stories about the same um, assailant, mm-hmm. you know, then you 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 pretty that starts to build some credibility, right. um, and that whole movement is really changing how we look at the tolerance of folks that have engaged in um, sexual harassment and sexual assaults and whatnot. So right. that has been a, a very good thing. It also gives people who traditionally have not had much power to expose wrongdoing on a larger scale, mm-hmm. you know, and then. In a lot of these cases, uh, especially any civil type claim is going to be time barred. And most women in these cases uh, didn't want to come forward for various reasons. It could be, you know, it could kill their career if they Mm -hmm. came forward. So now, while they don't necessarily have a civil cause of action to bring, especially because too much time has passed, they at least have a, um, a jury in the public and then in the, in right. the, in the media, you know, mm-hmm. and in the social media. And so that has been a, a pretty uh, positive movement with regard to this whole modern day feuding. So the modern day feuding can be done in a positive uh, kind of change how we look at things. Right. Type. You realize other people share the same story of something that you thought maybe it was only an experience that you had had. And I think the, that's where the public nature of the internet really allows people to kind of speak truth to power and in good ways sometimes. Right, and right. Then, but it, it flushes out some of these kind of sexual predators, yeah. you know, and, and we've got another one right now against a, a, a doctor who, mm-hmm. um, because of social media, more and more, and the, in addition to the public media, mm-hmm. more and more women have, have come forward. Yeah, Absolutely. So getting away from sort of famous or celebrity um, 
uh, feuds. Is this something that you've seen more and more of with with clients? I mean, just fights between private citizens that make their way onto the internet. Yes, and and that's I mentioned earlier. We're doing more and more cease and desist letters um, than ever before. Which and you're trying to look for okay. What are the potential causes of action out there that we can bring? And we mentioned defamation as one of them, but of course, truth is a defense to any defamation. Right. And then, uh, and then, if the person who is the subject of the defamation is not totally clear, like who mm-hmm. that is, like with those vague references to, you know, the GoFundMe page mm-hmm. because they want to litigate against the child molester, who are they referring to? So mm-hmm. it's really hard to say that that's directly defamatory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned the, you know, the the Dolan case with the, um, the, the neighbor feud. When that case came about in the 90s, um, early 90s, late 80s, the first thing I did was, um, and that's really dating myself too, <laughs> but the first thing I did as a very young attorney at that time um, was look into what are the causes of action for invasions of privacy mm-hmm. in Virginia? And they are extremely limited. There really are no causes of action for invasions of privacy in Virginia, except for one, which is the one which we call uh, misappropriation of a person's name or likeness uh, for commercial gain. Mm -hmm. And so um, if somebody uses your image, um, a photo of you in advertising, um, or for any sort of commercial gain, then you might be able to to bring a claim. So there is um, the two statutes, uh, and probably people could care less about the numbers. But anyway, <laughs> um, there's a there's a civil claim under uh, Virginia Code 8.01-40 for the unauthorized use of name or pictures of any person, um, but it has to be used for advertising purposes or the purposes of trade. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're just posting somebody's image on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, you know, any sort of social media, and you're not using it for advertising or trade, that's not going to violate that statute, right? you know? And there's a, there's a criminal component, too, to that statute. But in that one, you have to knowingly use that um, name or picture for advertising purposes or for the purpose of trade. Um, and so now you have to show clear intent, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to just an accidental posting. So other than those two statutes, and then we'll talk a little bit about cyberbullying and cyberstalking and some of the other criminal statutes that are out there. But the um, the unauthorized use of name or picture for uh, used in advertising or trade, or we call it for a commercial purpose, for some sort of monetary gain, ideally, um, other than that civil statute, all the other statutes tend to be criminal mm-hmm. in nature. So that, I'm getting back to your question, actually, which is, are we seeing a lot of these in the office? And, and yes, we are. And the thing that is puzzling is, okay, if we're going to send out a cease and desist letter, then what are the types of claims that we can say, you, you know, you're violating? Um, are you violating these particular criminal statutes? Is it defamatory? So we can say that this is slander or this is defamation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so that, that, that so it needs to stop for that reason. In some cases where the Facebook posting could potentially interfere with somebody's a job mm-hmm. or any uh, contracts that may have. So remember we had um, we had the, with the dog club feuds. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, uh, some folks that belong to certain rescue clubs for dogs can be very very um, 
devote it mm -hmm. to that particular breed of dog and rescuing that particular breed. And so we, we've seen some of this kind of um, feuding between uh, various uh, committed mm -hmm. rescue dog groups. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. And so if it rises to the level where it might interfere with some of the contracts that they are engaged in to rescue dogs, then we can potentially say that uh, the def that, that the whether it's defamation or not, that the remarks that are being cast out there, if they tortuously interfere with any business expectancy or contractual relations, that's another civil type claim that we can make. Or if they interfere with somebody's um, job, Mm -hmm. um, because they're basically uh, imputing to that person some sort of inability to do their job, then we can potentially say that that's both defamatory and it's also potentially torturously interfering with their business expectancy or their contractual relations or, in fact, their job position. Mm -hmm. um, and so we can make that sort of claim. But um, it gets extremely tricky when we're looking for the various types of causes of action that we can make in these uh, in these cases um, where somebody is using the internet to attack somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Remember, we um, we are asking you to call into the show if you have any questions about uh, modern day cyber feuding, um, use of the internet, um, any invasion of privacy, and the phone number is 804-454-1366. We will be taking a break in a few minutes, and so feel free to call into the show after the break. So go ahead, Katie. Yeah. So um, we've talked about some of the different causes of actions that we as attorneys have to kind of look for. Um, has Virginia started to develop anything, you know, more on point for these cases so that people have a remedy under the law when, when they're victims of, of some of this internet bullying or? Unfortunately not. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the the criminal case, uh, causes of action mm -hmm. that have actually come up in the last few years. Um, and when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about revenge porn. Yes. Yes. And we'll talk about that statute. But again, the problem is that these statutes are all criminal mm -hmm. in nature, not civil. So that means that you have to go swear out a warrant. Mm -hmm. um, with, you have to go swear out a complaint with the magistrate or you have to get a police officer that's willing to, you know, uh, uh, arrest somebody or bring a complaint. And a lot of police officers, you know, they're they're busy with, um, you know, with gunshot cases and everything right. else, they don't want to get involved in these kind of computer stalking, cyber stalking, cyber bullying cases. So uh, having a criminal statute isn't really super helpful unless you can get the attention of a magistrate or a police officer or a, um, a prosecutor that's interested in where it's so bad, you mm -hmm. know, um, and I think the revenge point we're going to case talk about after the break is really one of those cases where it's, it's super bad. Um, but we do have the criminal statutes for cyber stalking, and we're going to talk about those as soon as we come back after the break. All right. You've been listening to Raising the Bar, Greater Richmond's premier law talk radio show. 
Call into the show with your stories and questions at 804-454-1366. Now, back to Raising the Bar. Call into the show with your stories and questions at 804-454-1366. We are back. This is Raising the Bar Law Talk Radio Show. Um, This is Attorney Colleen Quinn along with Attorney Katie Kitts-Dean. And today we are talking about modern-day feuding, including cyberbullying, cyberstalking, revenge porn, um, and many other ways that folks are using the internet mm-hmm. in particular to attack each other. And we talked about uh, how some of the cyber feuding actually has been used in a positive way with the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. um, but we also um, now are turning to the topic of revenge porn, yes, as well as uh, the cyber uh, harassment and cyber stalking statutes that are out there. There are really very few remedies in Virginia and in most states mm-hmm. for uh, these types of, of of cases, and the law really hasn't caught up with today's form of my uh, modern day cyber feuding. Absolutely, I think that's true. So. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, we do have some criminal statutes on the books. Can you give us an overview of what, what those are? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the revenge porn statute because that one came around in 2016 Mm -hmm. and actually these cyber harassment, um, cyber stalking statutes all were 2016. So this is, this is pretty recent um, and they're only criminal statutes. They're Mm -hmm. not, they don't give you a civil cause of action for monetary recovery. So as we're talking about before the break on a criminal cause of action, you have to get, you have to uh, swear out uh, a complaint before Mm -hmm. a magistrate, or you have to get a police officer involved um, to help you or to to bring that complaint, or you have to get the attention of a prosecutor, a commonwealth attorney, or um, a federal prosecutor, and that can be extremely difficult when they're busy with actual, you know, physical rape and assault mm-hmm. type cases. So the revenge porn statute, um, for anybody that's actually interested in the code section, it's uh, 18.2-38. And basically that statute provides that if anybody um, has the intent to coerce, harass, intimidate, or malicious, maliciously disseminate or sell any videographic or still images created by any means that depict another person who is either totally nude or in a state of undress so as to ex- expose the um, the private area, the genitals, pubic area, buttocks, or female breast, or where they have reason to know that they're not authorized or licensed to uh, distribute such videographic or photo mm-hmm. images, then they'll be guilty of a class one misdemeanor. Now, th- that is not a real high level crime, actually. Right. It's pretty low level. Um, but at least it's out there. So we have the ability to say, okay, um, that is a crime to to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, Katie, you're pretty familiar with the case that we've uh, we had in 2016 in Virginia, the Moorhead versus Virginia case. So why don't you, t- you tell yeah. the Yeah. So again, as you said, this is kind of a new law, so we don't really have a lot of case law stemming from the statute. Um, but we did find one case um, that was um, where someone was prosecuted under the statute. And the, the facts of this case really demonstrate um, why it's good that we have at least something on the books um, right. to 
to, you know, go after this kind of behavior because in this case, it was a couple that was married but had separated. And um, before they separated, the wife had sent her husband, you know, several Sexy photos. Sexy photos, let's call them. <laughs> of some um, of those prohibited areas. Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> um, and so he had these. And after they separated, she apparently was not, uh, you know, returning his phone calls. And he would get very drunk late at night. And he started posting these nude photos of her on a website called myex.com. He was maybe a little PO'd, I guess. Yes. So, so he was posting these nude photos. Um, and then he would email her and say, look what I just put online. Um, and the content of some of his emails and text messages to her were just, it was absolutely not repeatable on, <laughs> on the public <laughs> on airwaves. The yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, it was pretty, pretty crass stuff. Um, and then he also, at one point, ended up posting some of the, some of this content on the Facebook page for the restaurant where she worked. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and that's, that's that, where you're getting into the tortious interference yeah. with her job. And, yeah. s- and so her, um, her manager was having to apologize to customers who had seen it and were complaining. Um, and uh, it was just really, really nasty behavior. Um, and ultimately what the case was about is he had been, he lived in Virginia Beach, she lived in Prince William, and he had been prosecuted in Prince William. And he tried to say, you know, this can't stick because I've, ne- you know, I never went to Prince William. I'm, you know, Virginia Beach. You brought this in the wrong, you brought this case in the wrong place. And they said, nope, you sent her these emails. You knew she was in Prince William. She received the emails in Prince William. This uh, this conviction is going to stick, um, and so that was another case where he, you know, maybe never set foot in the county where he was prosecuted and was still subject to being prosecuted under this law um, because he he was sending the images to that location, um, and so the the law did allow for a little bit of flexibility. But I also have to imagine the judge in that case was not super impressed with this guy. Yeah, I would imagine so too. <laughs> not trying to let you know, him out and, of a conviction. And that case, that's a horrible case. It's, it's horrible what was happening to her with the, those photos being used and then to the, the point where it's interfering with her job. Mm-hmm. And yet there's so little law. We've got this, fortunately, they have the revenge porn statute yeah. in 2016 and this was happening in 2016. Um, but it's not you know, we talked about uh, not having any case law for invasion of privacy because right. you would think that would be an invasion of that of her privacy. It sounds right? very illegal what he did, and so you think there's got to be several laws that protect me from right. Right. This it wasn't happening. really defamation though, if and except if he's using certain language that was defamatory. But the actual photos themselves are true. They're it's not, not a false statement, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> And um, and then he's not using those photos uh, for commercial gain, right? So it, it doesn't bite, violate the civil or criminal statute for revenge, right? And so um, you you look at that and you're like, wow, there there should be, she should have some more legal standing. Mm-hmm. Um, when it got to the point of posting with the employer, I would say she, at that point she had the tortious interference with her job expectancy. So yeah, she, so she would have that claim in addition to trying to get him prosecuted under the revenge porn statute. Um, same thing with the, the cyber stalking or the cyber um, harassment. Um, and remember, it's it's harassment, right? Because <laughs> yes. because my, as I've said before, my 11th grade English teacher, uh, very matron southerly, Llewellyn Connolly, always reminded the class, a class class, it's it's Harris, for one never talks about her ass, right? <laughs> so we, we, that's how we always remember it's harassment. So there's a cyber stalking statute and a cyber harassment statute in Virginia. Um, but again, these are criminal statutes. They don't give anyone a civil recovery. And the cyber stalking statute actually is 
um, not of much use. Um, I'll tell you that because it basically says a person's guilty of the crime of personal trespass by computer when he or she uses a computer or computer network to cause physical injury to an individual. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most of the use that we're talking about in these cyber feuds is mental, emotional harm. And trying to show that words or images that are being posted in a negative manner are causing physical in- injury, um, th- that's a that's a pretty tough uh, burden to meet, a burden mm-hmm. of proof. Um, we, we are aware, though, of... Um, those poor cases where somebody has actually committed suicide because of um, cyber bullying. Well, I mean, the thing we have to remember, kids have access to the internet and all of this technology. And that's when it gets really scary, some of the things that people are able to post and do and insinuate about another person. And then you have a, you know, 10 or 11 year old who maybe doesn't have the most developed sense of self and <laughs> right and they're not you know they don't have that same level of emotional intelligence yeah. or that sense of, of security etc mm-hmm. and so it can really hit home especially with young kids mm-hmm. when they are they are being um, harassed um, you know we had a, a case where one gal uh, she was injured it was a personal injury case we were handling and uh, she went out with the injury and it was a high school student mm-hmm. and then a lot of the friends on Facebook were posting that she must be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she went out with a head injury and so she wasn't able to return to school and had to be homeschooled. But of course, the first thing that pops into everyone's mind is, oh, she must be at home because she's pregnant. And then, of course, then the posts go out there. And mm-hmm. that was another one of those cases where we had to send the cease and desist letters to and basically say, stop. Stop posting stop this posting, rumor. Right, <laughs> this rumor about this poor gal. Um, so the other statute is the cyber stalking statute. And this one is basically harassment by computer. And it's it's a little, it's it's got more teeth to it. So if anybody um, with the intent to coerce, intimidate, or harass any person uses a computer or computer network to communicate obscene, vulgar, profane, lewd, lascivious, or indecent language, or makes any suggestion or proposal of, of an obscene nature, or threatens any illegal or immoral act, again, you can be guilty of a class one misdemeanor. Which is a low-level misdemeanor, mm-hmm. but still, at least, this is something where, especially if a parent knows that a child is being subject to uh, cyber uh, bullying, they can at least go and swear out a warrant mm-hmm. or, you know, a complaint on their child's behalf. Um, or, uh, in our case, as lawyers, we oftentimes are sending the cease and desist letters, you are committing a crime, right? you know, and we're going to report it to uh, the police or the magistrate or whatever um, and help our client go swear out that complaint if you continue uh, to commit this crime. And then going back to what we were talking about earlier, though, the problem is, is that removing that stuff, if it's gotten into the public venue, you know, mm-hmm. if it's gone... Be- beyond a Facebook private page or whatever, and it's gone out more to the public, then trying to capture that and make sure that everything is removed from every little um, leak that got out there or that got, you know, basically then shared with, you know, (laughs) forward and forward and forward or that that, uh, if something goes more viral, trying to recapture it and bring it back um, can be really difficult. And remember, today we are talking about modern-day cyber feuding, cyber bullying, revenge porn, and the like. And uh, if you'd like to call into the show before we wrap up today, call in at 804-454-1366.
So you've, you've talked a little bit about this already, but we do have some laws that we are already in place and that we've had in place for a while that I think lawyers are having to maybe use a little bit more creatively um, in these types of cyber situations. So, um, and you talked earlier about your your Dolan case with the camera and Virginia not right. really having um, a cause of action for invasion of privacy. Is that unique to Virginia? Is that, I mean, what, how do you get around that? Because it seems like someone pointing a camera in your, you know, in your window, that just seems like something that they shouldn't be allowed to do. So um, how do you sort of... You know, um, Virginia's not that different from most states. Um, there are some states out there that do provide a little bit more security, um, but we're not that far afield of most of the states that are out there. When we look at other states, um, Virginia's actually at uh, on the forefront of the revenge porn law because mm-hmm. uh, 17 states have enacted some sort of revenge porn law. Um, and most states um, make that crime a a misdemeanor punishable under the criminal code. A few make it a felony, like Hawaii, Arizona, and Idaho. So it's got a little more teeth to it, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but Colorado is the only state with a statute on the books that allows also that uh, private or civil cause of action for revenge porn when somebody's private intimate post, uh, parts have been posted Um, then they can bring a civil action and they can also get injunctive relief. That is, they can get an injunction that, you know, stops it from happening Mm -hmm. and and makes them take down whatever the images are. And basically they can get the greater of $10,000 or actual damages incurred as a result of the posting of the private um, images. They can also get attorney fees and costs. So I would love to see more states Mm -hmm. um, implement this civil cause, uh, this private cause of action like Colorado has done. You know, when we're talking about the limited remedies in Virginia, um, we had a, a question in the studio during the break um, talking about this this concept of uh, not having a cause of action for the use of one's likeness unless mm-hmm. it's used for commercial gain or whatever. And so the, the question um, in the studio from Scott was, how are these video companies able to use the likenesses of these college kids in, you know, in the video games and the basketball games and the football games, et cetera. And in most of those cases, those kids have signed a release Mm -hmm. um, and have licensed the use of their image. um, And they're not getting any financial gain from it. And they've signed a release to that effect. Of course, they're getting the, the exposure and people are getting to know them. So especially if they go pro, they're already known, et cetera. Um, and so if somebody signs a release, you know, for their likeness to be used, mm-hmm. well, then then they're allowing that right. and they want that to happen. Um, if I had a, a case, a situation, uh, because we also do surrogacy, we do such mm-hmm. a crazy mix of, of practices, but I had a situation where I had a, um, a sperm donor contact me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, he had donated, oh, a long, long time, mm-hmm. some several decades ago. And uh, at the time, you know, when you donated, you thought it was anonymous. But now these kids are all finding their sperm donors, and especially through Ancestry.com. And what, what, Again, you know. because the internet has right. really opened up a lot of, yeah. It has, and 23andMe and whatnot. And so anyway, uh, these the, the children that were the product of his um, uh, voluminous sperm donation <laughs> uh, were starting to contact him. And uh, one of the questions was, was one of the kids wanted to do a documentary um, featuring him? And, uh, you know, I, I had to explain that there's 
really nothing, like he could say, I don't want my, I don't want you to videotape me. I don't want you to photograph me. But if he has photos already on the internet and that documentary is being done just for educational purposes Mm -hmm. and not being done for any sort of commercial gain, there really is no way of preventing that product of his sperm donation right. child from doing that documentary right. um, and using his name and his likeness as long as it's not for commercial yeah. for gain. And they're you not know? saying anything false about him. It's just information he would prefer to keep private, I think. Exactly, but. exactly. And we could try to do like a, a cease and desist letter, but um, I don't know to what effect because right. we really wouldn't have the law that would give us much much teeth in that regard. So um, when we're looking at these invasion of privacy issues, there, there's just such limited law in Virginia as well as most of the other states. Um, so there's one other little statute. There's a narrow exception for computer invasion of privacy, and that statute's been on the books since 2006. And again, that's but it's a criminal statute. Again, it's a class one misdemeanor. That's using a computer, a computer network to intentionally examine without authority any employment, salary, credit, or any other financial or identifying information. And that law is related to identity theft issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're looking at this whole concept of uh, the modern-day feuding, the invasion of privacy, we're really having to dig deep. And then what we're finding is we pretty much have criminal statutes that provide some protection, but not much in the way of civil statutes. Right. And I'm wondering if you can just talk about that a little bit more. I mean, what is... You know, for people who are the victim of something like this, I'm just thinking, you know, this poor wife who had her images, you know, blasted all over myx.com and her, you know, employee Facebook page, you know, her husband, yeah, he was prosecuted. But as you said, class one misdemeanor, he got, you know, popped with this kind of minor criminal charge. And I mean, her whole, I'm guessing like her family and her friends and everyone, you know, her business was kind of blasted out everywhere. And that seems like the type of thing you should be able to get a little bit of money for. Right. right. I mean, I would, I would be mortified if I had, you know, if, if my parents, if my, if my 26 year old twin boys were seeing pictures of me nude, I mean, that would, right. you know, in compromising positions or whatever. I mean, that would just be, that would be so horrible to have that happen. And that's a lack of civil recovery just feels a little unfair. Almost. It does. It does. So one other uh, cause of action that we didn't mention is um, intentional infliction of emotional distress, but that that is so, so hard to prove in Virginia. Mm-hmm. One of the cases that is a case in point on that is a case where a, a woman um, was raising a child with her boyfriend mm-hmm. and the boyfriend thought it was his kid and they raised the child together until the child was about four years old. Then they broke up and she basically told him it wasn't his kid and that uh, she had the kid by somebody else, even though he thought for four years it was his child. And of course, he tried to, you know, assert custody, et cetera, but he wasn't the biological father. So one of the things he resorted to was intentional infliction of emotional distress. She had this child knowing it wasn't his, made him to believe it was his. For four years, he helped raise the child, became very, uh, very, very devoted to the child. And the Virginia Supreme Court basically held that that was not sufficient to arise to the level of intentional infliction of emotional distress. Yeah. There's also negligent infliction, but they're both so, so hard to prove. So even in the the Moorhead um, versus Virginia revenge porn case, um, that still is pretty tough. I mean, you can, you can try to claim intentional infliction of emotional distress. And in that case, it, it might actually have gotten to the point of crossing that threshold. Mm-hmm. 
Also, as I mentioned, she could probably claim the um, tortious interference with right. her job. But the key thing is capturing when we have clients, we, we want them to capture the information mm-hmm. before it is taken down um, or removed or whatever. So, you know, getting that, um, getting that photograph, getting, uh, capturing that data so that it's, so we have it there so we know that we can prove, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it, it can to some extent be the privacy settings can be changed on Facebook or things can be changed that can then change that person's ability to bring a case because they no longer have access to the evidence. Right. So the key thing is making sure that you preserve the evidence. Absolutely. Um, so we've talked a lot about Virginia. Um, how has this really been addressed by other states? What causes of action have they have they been recognizing in other states just to deal with this issue? Well, in um, Indiana, there was a case like the Virginia Moorhead case mm-hmm. where the ex-husband basically distributed um, Polaroids taken of his ex-wife when she was nude and they were having uh, sexual relations mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever she might have been doing in the privacy of their own home, yeah. <laughs> um, which he then decided to make public. And so in that Indiana case, um, that ex-wife actually was able to prevail on an intentional infliction of emotional distress under Indiana law. And also under Indiana law, she was able to prevail on an intentional invasion of privacy, which we don't have in Virginia. Right. Um, there also was a cyber stalking case that was brought under um, in the the First Circuit, um, basically where uh, a woman brought several criminal complaints against her ex-boyfriend for, again, posting explicit photos of her on Craigslist and giving her home address to men on Craigslist. Um, Also, the ex-boyfriend had created fake Facebook accounts and MySpace profiles and porn sites and posted photos of her on them. So scary. Yeah, it really, really is. And so in that case, um, he was convicted of the cyber stalking. Um, But, you know, that's that's pretty severe. Well, I mean, you were talking about, you know, these cases don't always have physical, you know, injuries involved. That's one that absolutely could if he's just posting her contact information and, you know, all over Craigslist and these sites and sort of inviting creepy people to come find her. I mean, essentially. Right, right. And so he's definitely putting her in harm's way in that regard. Um, There was another case out of California um, that basically was a case where the, again, we have a a girlfriend against the former boyfriend. And again, he had posted nude photos of her that had been um, at the time taken with her consent because they were in that relationship, which is the danger of when you're in a relationship of having any nude photos taken of you is that um, then you have them out there. And so basically in that case, the ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend took the photos and posted them on a fake Facebook page and then sent friend requests to this poor woman's friends and family. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah, I I can't imagine. Oh, my gosh. And so in that case, she was able to prevail and actually got an award, uh, a civil verdict um, from a jury of 250000 She was able to bring under California law an invasion of privacy claim, which, again, we don't Mm -hmm. have in Virginia, um, except for the commercial use. And she was able to prevail on an intentional infliction of emotional distress, negligence. And they have a law out there called statutory impersonation, which is an interesting one. Yeah. So that must have been the posting in a fake profile and 
doing friend requests that way. Right, which is almost like fraud. Yeah. You know? Um, There also uh, was a case out of New York. And again, this was again a boyfriend-girlfriend case Mm -hmm. where there were nude photos that um, were uh, posted on his Twitter account. And then he sent those photos to her sister and her employer. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) talk talk about serious revenge porn. I mean... And so he claimed he had obtained permission to send the photos. I'm sure she said that was fine, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. Send them to my employer. I really want my employer to see me nude, yes. And so in that case, uh, she brought uh, criminal charges of second-degree aggravated um, harassment, second-degree dissemination of an unlawful surveillance image, and public display of offensive sexual material, which were the the causes of action under uh, New York criminal law, Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately those charges evidently were dismissed um, because there there wasn't sufficient uh, evidence. So then another case we're aware of out of California, again, was an intentional infliction of emotional distress case where, again, there was the the boyfriend-girlfriend posting the nude photos, um, and that one uh, basically led to thoughts of suicide. And that was sufficient to show the serious emotional distress. And that's probably what we would need in Virginia is something pretty extreme in order to uh, prevail on that intentional infliction claim. All right. Well, we are getting close to the uh, the end of our show here, but just one one last question. Um, we've been talking about causes of action against the people who post the photos. What about anything um, that a person might have against a website or internet provider? Right. Very, very difficult to um, to prevail on, especially because there's a specific exclusion in Virginia's criminal statute for going against the provider. Mm-hmm. It's not really their fault. And then under federal law passed in 1996, there is the Communications Decency Act um, that does say that no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So again, very, very difficult. And the Ninth Circuit actually um, is the only one that allowed someone to prevail against one of those mm-hmm. um, commercial providers of, of, you know, social media, et yeah. cetera. So we are wrapping up our show today. And next week, we are going to switch gears to a very different topic. Happier topic. (laughs) Happy topic. We're going to be uh, evaluating surrogacy and gestational carrier agreements from the intended parents' uh, side. And so Katie uh, Kitzdean will be interviewing our client, Jen Nixon. Mm -hmm. So join us next Wednesday at 9 a.m. for Raising the Bar Law Talk radio show. Thank you.